Take your Bibles this morning and go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 30. Anybody notice what all the songs were about this morning? Yes. God's love. Anybody want to guess what I'm preaching about today? I've kind of been prepping you for it. No. God's hate. Today, we are going to talk about God's hate. Why do you want to talk about God's hate, Brother Tommy? Well, I've got one really good reason for that, but but I've got a not so good reason for it, and that's just because most churches today all they want to talk about is God's love. You go and I look on their websites, and you'll see their sermons. Like all, it's like I think that's all they preach about is God's love. And churches today they don't want to talk about sin. They don't want to pick on any specific sins, and it's all about love. And uh, but the truth is. And so, one of the reasons I want to preach on God's hatred, I just I titled it God's Hatred of Sin. I wanted that hatred to be on there because people look at ours, I don't want them to see, I don't want us to look like all the other churches. All right? I want to set us, you know, we're just going to set ourselves apart a little bit here. But that's my bad reason for it, okay? But my good reason for preaching on this is you cannot possibly understand God's love without understanding what God hates. And you cannot. Honestly, the way people are these days when they're preaching about you know God's love and telling everybody how wonderful they are, nobody wants to ever talk about sin. It's like, why do people even think they need to get saved? Why do they even think God's love's a big deal if everything we do is not a big deal? And the truth is, we've got to understand the things that God hates if we're going to understand just how much God really does love us. So in a sense, I guess this message is about God's love, but we're not calling it that. Uh, we're going to talk about God's hatred of sin today. And so, I want to show you some things from the Bible that I think will be a help to you. But one thing I you know, I just want to say too, I was thinking about it this week, that, and I'm not just buttering, up, buttering you up here. I mean this with all my heart. One thing I appreciate about this church is I don't feel like there is anything in the Bible that I can't preach here. You all, I thank God that you have helped give me the liberty to preach whatever. And you know, even when I preach on stuff that's not necessarily popular, you know, you all don't get mad at me and you know, give me grief for it and quit coming to the church and never come again because you know you got offended by something. I appreciate the fact that you know you all you seem to be listening. You know, you keep coming back and have a good attitude about. And I appreciate that very much because. As a pastor, I am I'm required to preach the whole counsel of God, and um, I don't feel the temptation not to preach anything here. And in fact, something I've been praying about, I'm thinking maybe in January I'm going to start, but I'm planning on doing a whole series of messages specifically on the doctrine of separation. And I'm telling you that right now, a lot of churches you can't preach that stuff. Without a church split, and you know we might have one, but I doubt it. You know I I don't expect that, uh, not from this crowd and with what uh, you know what you've showed me. But uh, I really I really want to teach that, and I appreciate the fact you know though you all do require me to give you some Bible to back up what I'm preaching, and uh, that's completely appropriate for you to do that. Some people don't. The preacher can get them just preach whatever, and they just go along with it. Uh, whether it's right or wrong, and um, I am—I do believe I'm required to give you Bible reasons for things, and so 
And I feel challenged to do that. And I, I do. I just I enjoy it. I look forward to preaching messages. I'm excited about this message. I'm excited about tonight's message. I, I, I love preaching at this church and more than anywhere else in the world. And I just I appreciate that very much. But Isaiah chapter 30, verse 9. Now I got you all buttered up. You know, now I'm going to let you have it and tell you stuff you know, that's not really popular. But Isaiah chapter 30, verse 9 says that this is a rebellious people. Talking about Israel. Lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, See not. And to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. Can I say today that one of the reasons that churches today are so weak in proclaiming the Gospel, one of the reasons churches today don't want to talk about anything other than God's love is because the people are demanding that from them. They are demanding that, hey, seers, see not. Hey, we don't want... you know, Pastor, don't pay attention to what's going on. Don't you know? I know sin's destroying our country and sin's destroying our lives, but you know what? Don't look. Don't see it. Don't you judge me. Don't you judge. Don't do that. Don't prophesy... You know, don't do those controversial things. No, talk, speak smooth things. And then they said, they said they're prophesied deceits. And they're basically asked, people today are asking, they don't come out and say, deceive us. But when you, you demand a pastor only tell you things that make you feel good, you are asking him to deceive you. Because the truth is, if we've got sin in our life, that, you know, we, we're going to be told some, we need to be told some things that are going to make us uncomfortable that we might not necessarily want to hear. And unfortunately today, many preachers are going right along with that and they are giving the people what they want and what they ask for because if they don't, they know they will they will probably lose a large portion of their congregation. I think if they would tell people the truth, they would probably get right and would probably be more faithful than ever. But you will lose some people preaching the truth. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Preach the word, be instant in, season out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. The Bible said that was going to happen where people weren't always going to be able to endure it. Alright? To endure something, meaning, you know, to be able to put up with something, to be able to handle it. And I, and you know what? There's things that the Bible teaches that sometimes it's pretty tough to swallow. Especially uh, in this wicked world that we live in, in this wicked day and age that we're in right now. But people today, they don't want to hear the truth. They don't want anything that's going to shine a light on the sin that's in their life. They want to have it all. They want to live like the lost world, but they want to go to church and to be made to feel like they're going to heaven when they're not. They put pressure on the preachers to make sure they don't preach anything that will make them feel uncomfortable. And they're being accommodated. They're giving them what they want instead of what they need. And as a result, it's left preachers with very little to even preach about. And God's love seemed to be the main thing that everybody's comfortable with. But, like I said before, you cannot understand the love of God without understanding what God hates. And so I want us to look at some of these things. And I'm going to—I've got a ton of scripture. If you want to try to follow along, uh, go ahead. But uh, for time's sake, I'm just going to 
start. I'll tell you the references. I'm just going to start reading these scriptures. But uh, Proverbs chapter six, verse sixteen. You know, God, boy, you know, God, He's just love. You know, God, He's He's all about love. That's all we want to talk about. That's all we want to sing about. But Proverbs six sixteen sixteen says, "These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto Him." When the Bible talks about an abomination, that's something that literally sickens God. There are some things that He hates. And notice it says, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imagination, feet that be swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. God hates those things. God hates it. And you say, well, you know, please don't walk out on me and run off until I get done with this message. I'm going to say some things that might be a little tough to swallow here. But, well, yeah, God hates the sin but He loves the sinner. Okay? Now, I'm not going to tell you that's not true, but at the same time, sometimes our definition of words aren't exactly right, and we're not technically right in a lot of the things we're saying. Okay? And so, and I'm going to say some things that might shock you a little bit, but hang on to the end of this message, and I think you'll understand what... What I'm talking about, and I think I think you'll agree when we see what the scriptures say. To say, well, God, you know, God doesn't hate any people; He just hates sin. But notice it says, "A false witness to speaketh lies is one of the things He hates." And He, that soweth discord among the brethren, says He hates He that soweth discord among the brethren. So, and that one's on the abomination level. So, somebody that's so in discord, alright, Brother Menez gets up here after church today and you're like, you know what, I didn't like that message Pastor Tom preached. I think you should talk more about God's love. We don't need to be talking about God's hate. And he's going and he's telling you all things. You know, we need to vote him out. He's causing trouble. He's so in discord. Does God hate that sin? Or does He hate Him for doing it? It says, He that soweth discord among the brethren. So now, let's look at some more verses. Malachi 2.16 says, For the Lord the God of Israel saith he that hateth putting away. For one covereth violence with his garment, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore take heed to your spirit that ye deal not treacherously. It's saying here that God hates putting away. Talking about divorce, he hates that. Isaiah 1.14 says, Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hateth. They are trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. What God hated there was stuff that they were supposed to be doing. But they were doing it with a wicked heart. They were doing it with sin in their life. And God says, I hate that. And you know what? Out of all these things we've read so far, I think all of us are guilty of more than one of these things, aren't we? We've all done some of these things before that God hates. That God hates it. And we've done it. He hates it. He abominates it. Psalm 11.5 says, The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence. Him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Does God hate ISIS? Those people over there that love violence and that love cutting people's heads off and killing people? Says he, his soul hateth him that loveth violence. Deuteronomy 12.30 says, Take heed to thyself that thou be not snared by following them after that they be destroyed from before thee and that thou inquire not after their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? Even so will I do likewise. Thou shalt not do so unto the Lord thy God, for every abomination to the Lord which He hateth have they done unto their gods, for even their sons and their daughters have they burnt in the fire to their gods. What things soever I command you, observe to do it, 
Thou shalt not add thereto, nor diminish from it. God didn't want them being like the heathen that was in that land. God said they're doing abominations that I hate. Don't do those things. God hated what they did. Revelation 2.6 For thou hast that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which also I hate. God hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. In verse 15, He says He hated the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Uh, so right here we see a lot of things that God hates. Okay, And so He's like, well, it's not people that God hates. But let's, let's look at something else here. Remember, remember, listen to this whole thing before you, you run out on me here. While it's true that God hates sin and loves the sinner, we need to remember that there is something that God hates about us. And that's that we are sinners. And God, He hates that about us. You're look at Psalms chapter 5 and verse 5. I want to read this verse to you. Psalms chapter 5 and verse 5. It says, The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Okay? So, notice how all these verses that we've been looking about about things that God hates and who God hates. Notice how it's not necessarily mentioning individuals, but it's mentioning those that do them. Now, for something, for there to be a sin, or okay, let me illustrate it this way. How many of you today hate murder? Okay? Raise your hand if you hate murder. Okay? Right, you hate murder. Okay? But now, how many of you hate Murderers. Okay? Oh, I don't want to raise my hand there. Especially if I was to name a specific murderer. You might have a murderer in your family that you that you love them, don't you? Okay? But a lot of times we don't we say we hate the sin, but we don't want to hate the sinner. But here's the thing. Is murder possible without a murderer? No, it's not, is it? You can't have murder without having a murderer. So how can God hate the sin when sin sin doesn't just sin by itself? Just like all these people today that you know they hate the guns, even though guns don't go around shooting people by themselves, people do it. I we for sin, God hates sin, and we are what cause sin. We are the ones that do sin. All those abominations that God hates. We are required. So saying that you hate sin and that you don't hate sinners doesn't make sense since sin requires a sinner. By sin, by how did the sin come into the world? By man, sin came into the world. And so, if sin's not a big deal, then why did Jesus have to die a horrible death on the cross? So, if God doesn't have a big problem, if God doesn't have a big problem with sin, then why did he turn his back on his son when he was on the cross? In Matthew chapter 27, verse 45, it says, Now from the ninth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? When Jesus was hanging on that cross, He who knew no sin became sin for us. He became the murderer. He became the thief. He became all those. He became the sinner. And God couldn't even look at it. That's what God thinks about sin. And that's what God thinks about sinners. 
He couldn't even look at it. It's sin that separates us from God. Why do you think we haven't seen God before? Well, one, we couldn't handle seeing Him and He can't handle looking at us. That's how bad our sin is. And yet, we're not supposed to talk about it. And yet, we're not supposed to say anything against sin. And the truth is, God couldn't even look at His own Son when He became the sinner for us. That's how bad our sin is because God hates it. So how can God hate sin and yet love us when we're nothing? Because there are a lot of verses about God's love, isn't there? And we're going to look at some of those in a second. But once again, I think sometimes we get the wrong idea even about love. So how can God hate sin and love us who are nothing but sinners at the same time? We see God's hatred of sin. We are what causes sin. It doesn't happen by itself. How can God love us? And the truth is, hang on to this, alright? In our sin condition, God really doesn't, He doesn't love what He's seeing here. He hates it. He's disgusted by it. Why do you think in, when God pours out His wrath in the book of Revelation, why do you think it's so horrible? Why do you think I mean, all the people that are going to be killed at the battle of Armageddon, Why, when people on Judgment Day are cast into hell, why is God doing that? Because God hates sin. And we are, we are sinners. Okay, so what about all these love verses? Well, first of all, love is more than just an emotional feeling. And I know that's what everybody thinks at all of this. It's all about, you know, love. It's all about a feeling. But the truth is, love is an action. In John 3.16, when it says, for God so loved the world, is it saying that God, He just looked down on earth and He saw us even though we were sinners and just thought, wow, what wonderful creatures that I love. Now, was God, did God look at us in our sin condition and get this overwhelming feeling of love? No, God's disgusted by sin. So what does it mean when it says that He so loved the world? It says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. You see, love is not just an emotion. Love is an action. When God gave His Son, God was doing an act of love for us, wasn't He? Even though He hated our sin, even though God's disgusted by our sin, God loved us when God gave us His Son. And these all these verses that you look at when it talks about God's love, you see an action that's required there. That was the love. It's not talking about a feeling. It's talking about an action. 1 John 4.10 Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. Alright? Not talking about emotion. Here's an action. And sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That was the love. Herein is love. God sending His Son. That was love. Alright? God hated. He hated what we were. He hates who we are. He hates that sin. Proverbs, and here's another example too where hate's kind of used in the same context. Proverbs 13.24 says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth be times, which means early. So, does that mean, you know, is God saying here that somebody who's never spanked their son hates him? No, it's not saying that. It's not, in other words, there's many people today who they don't hate their children, but they don't spank them. 
You know, maybe they read Dr. Spock's book or they listened to, you know, they listened to the news media or whatever and what they had to say about it. And they truly love their children, don't they? As far as emotion goes. They care about their children. They want the best for their children. But the truth is, the Bible says the, the hating is the sparing of the rod. Why? Because that's harmful to your child. Why, why is it harmful? Well, the Bible says in Proverbs 29.15, the rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Without that punishment, you're, hurt, you're, hurt, you're actually hurting your child. What you're doing is bad to him. Therefore, that's why God says, he that spareth his rod hateth his son. But he that loveth him chasteneth be times. And what that's and so that's right there. That chastening, that that's loving your children. You are loving your children, not talking about the feeling. A lot of people say that they love somebody and they have feelings of love, but their actions say something totally different, don't they? And just like if I said I love you, you're my friend, but I punch you in the nose, you're gonna swear that I hate you. Because that's an act of hatred. That's hatred, punching somebody in the nose. But love is not doing something like that. And the truth is, you know, what many times when the Bible talks about God loving us, it's talking about an action. It's talking about something that God did for us. God loved us, He gave His Son. But in the meantime, when it comes to us, God hates what we are. He hates that sin. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That was love. Christ dying for our sins. That was the love right there. But God did that anyway. 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be propitiation for our sins. Whenever you see the Bible talking about God's love, it's talking about an action, something that He did for us. He did an act of love. He sent His Son. Jesus did an act of love. He died on the cross for us. He does an act of love when He saves us and He cleanses us from our sins. But as far as what we actually are as sinners, we see what the Bible says, how God feels about that, and He hates it. God hates sin. He hates it so much, he won't, it can't have any part of Him. It can't come anywhere near Him. But thank God He showed love to us by sending His Son to die on the cross and paying for that sins. And what, what an amazing thing that is. But sometimes, sometimes hate it has the meaning really just of preferring one over another. Because the truth is, you can't really find you can't find anywhere in the Bible where God kind of zeroes in on an individual and says, "I hate them." All right, and you might be thinking of one right now. There's a verse in the Bible that sounds like a huge contradiction. Let's look at that. Uh, go to well, first of all, before we get to one, there actually is somebody in the Bible that God said He hated, and we're going to look at that. And I think you'll see. Uh, how that doesn't necessarily change anything here. But Luke 14.26 says, If any man come to Me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life, he cannot be My disciple. And whosoever, not, whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after Me cannot be My disciple. Now let me ask you a question. Does God want us to hate our wife? 
Didn't He command us to love our wives? Does God want us to hate our children? Now, what's God talking about there? Well, I think a good way... I'll show you another verse. It's always good to let the Bible define words in the Bible. It's a good practice to have. And God told us to hate. So, hey, I'm allowed to hate my wife. I'm allowed to hate my kids. Why are you leaving your wife for the time? I hate her. God told me to hate her. And so I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to follow the Bible. No, there's other verses where God says to love. What's that talking about? Well, uh, look at verse... Lost my spot. Oh, Luke 16.13 says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. People struggle with this verse because, say, no man can serve two masters, and they are trying to serve masters. There's people that want to serve God, and there's people that want to serve the things of the flesh. They want to serve money. And they don't hate God in their mind. They don't have a feeling of hatred. But sometimes hatred in the Bible is just preferring one person over the other. And when God says we're supposed to hate, our father and mother and our wife and our children, it got, what God is saying is we're not to prefer them over God. God always comes first. God comes first. God doesn't want us to just hate our own life like I hate my life and be miserable. He's wanting us to put God before our own life. That's what He's talking about is just preferring one over the other. And so now, let's look at a verse in the Bible where because it does say there is somebody in the Bible that it mentions that God said He hated. Anybody know who that is? I'll throw it out there. All right. Well, if you're, maybe, I'll, I'll read it to you. Uh, let's look at Romans chapter nine, verse ten. Because there's a group out there that are known as Calvinists that will try to teach you, and they use this passage all the time that says that God chooses who gets saved. God loves some people; He hates some other people. You know, God chooses to save some; He chooses others to go to hell. And they'll use this passage of scripture here, Romans nine ten says, and not. Only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth, it was said unto her, The elders shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. This is the only time you'll see in the Bible where God named a person and said he hated them. But was God saying here that He just hates Esau in the way that you and I use the word hate? Notice how it says, as it is written. Whenever you see that in the New Testament, it says as it is written or as it was written. That means it's in the Old Testament. So let's look in the Old Testament where God said this. Malachi chapter 1, verse 1 says, the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi, I have loved you, saith the Lord, Yet ye say, Wherein hast thou loved us? And then he, and God's answering, He says, Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob, and I hated Esau. And I laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. You know what God was saying there? God preferred Jacob over Esau. Jacob was the one that God chose the Messiah, the line of the Messiah to come through, not Esau. Even though Esau was the older, God preferred Jacob. Why? The Bible doesn't really say. God's allowed to do that kind of thing. But what it's saying here is God preferred Jacob over Esau. God blessed Israel. They're like, Lord, where have you blessed us? And he said, 
Don't you remember? I have blessed you. And he talked about, and then he mentioned, remember, said, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. And he talked about how I've given you this wonderful land, but look at where Esau dwells. God had obviously been better to Jacob than Esau. Now let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen that? Have you noticed how God seems to prefer his people over the lost? How we seem to be blessed over the lost? You can say that God loves us and hates them. And sometimes it just it means a preferring one over another. So really the truth is, you know, that's not talking about like a hatred like just before Esau was born, God just hated him. God just decided, you know, I don't like this guy. I know what he's going to turn into. I hate his guts. Uh, I'm not going to bless him. There it's it's talking about a preference. But the truth is, when it comes to us as sinners across the board, we're bad news, God hates what we are. And preaching without God's love, or preaching about God's love without preaching about what God hates, it doesn't work. Churches seem to have very little impact on people's lives today because they're just telling them, hey, everything's okay. You're wonderful. No, we're not. We are not okay. We will not appreciate the love that God gives until we realize how bad we are. I'm not going to take time to read the story, but you might remember the story in Luke chapter 7, verse 36, about the woman who came to Jesus and she washed his feet with her hair. She used that expensive box of ointment, and the people looked at her like, Does Jesus not know who this is? And they said, Jesus knew exactly who she was. She was a wicked, wicked woman. But notice Jesus said, to, Because she had been forgiven much, she loved much. She loved because she had been forgiven a lot. And really, to illustrate who we are and how this love of God works for us. Alright? Actually, when I, when I was coming up with this illustration, uh, I thought of you, Miss Diane. Uh, I thought, I thought you were a good example of this because I know, I know you're like this, but us, we're kind of like a dirty stray cat that someone finds outside their house. Maybe on a rainy day, the cat, it's wet, it's dirty. It's hungry and it's wild. But you know what? There's people out there, they'll see those cats and they have compassion on them. They'll take that cat in, they clean it up, they feed it, and you know what? They might even let it live with them. And you know, the truth is, you won't bring an animal like that into your house, no matter how compassionate you are, without making some changes. You know what? They clean them up. Why? They're dirty. They're smelly. And with us, God, before He can take us in, He's got to clean us up first. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. And His blood, it cleanses us from our sin. We're pretty wild, aren't we? Even after we get saved, we've got some issues. But you know what He does? He has patience with us. He still shows that love to us. And He'll put up with some things, but He tries to change things in our life, doesn't He? He's trying to fix us. He's trying to change us because we are not good. Our sin condition is horrible. And if we're going to be able to dwell in the presence of God, there's got to be some changes. If God's going to use us, there's going to, there's got to be some changes. You know, she brings that cat and it just constantly wants to be wild and it's, it's constantly scratching and fighting. She's going to have to just send it out of the house. You're going to have to, going to have to get rid of it. And you know, there's people out there today, they don't want God's help. They don't want 
God's cleansing. They don't want the food and thing that God, the, uh, the the nourishment that God wants to give those people. They just they want to be wild. They want to do their own thing. And what? And but my friend, when God saved us, that's what He did for us. He took us dirty. He took us hungry. He took us wild. And even though He was disgusted by that. Even though that animal that you bring in, it's gross, it smells, and you you hate that smell, don't you? You hate what's wrong with it. You know, just the other day, I don't know if I should even tell the story, but we when we were at that other church, right next to the church, they had they had chickens and turkey, a turkey in the yard. And my kids, they they I didn't see it, they just saw it and explained it to me. It was something they saw with that turkey and the chickens that just made me sick. I mean, it was disgusting. And I don't even want to tell you because Thanksgiving's coming and you all aren't going to want to eat turkey. And some of you, you're wanting to get to the chicken house here pretty soon. I don't want to mess up your meal. But it was disgusting. Animals do some disgusting things. I mean, it made me ill. And you know what? That's what we do to God when we sin. It's disgusting. We make him sick. And why people think that it's okay and why they're trying to, you know, say we need to be accepting the sins and be okay with sins when God said he hates it, when God says he abominates it, when God had to send his son to die on the cross for us, and then they try to tell us that's all okay by saying, well, God's, God is love. That God loves it. God loves you. No, God hates that about us. That's why He died on the cross. And the reason God is love is because of the actions that He did to cleanse us from that sin. The fact that He would do that. The fact that He would cleanse us up. That is real compassion. That is real love. That's the kind of God that we have. One that hates sin. One that can't stand the things we do. One that's disgusted by it. But somehow... In a way that we cannot understand, He still, even though He thinks that way about us, still sent His Son to die and pay for our sins. Still is willing to send His Holy Spirit to draw us to Him. And even though we can't be in His presence right now, we're still in our sin condition and He's got a job for us to do right now. One of these days, He's going to allow us to live with Him and one day, and we will even be like Him. And the, the power that that takes a power of God that we cannot understand, and so that that's why we make a big deal about sin around here, because sin is a big deal, and we're not going to cover it up by just talking about God's love. People cannot understand God's love without understanding what God hates. What God hate thinks what, what He thinks about you. God hates when you do those things. He hates it. It discuss Him, but yes, He did love us enough to send His Son. He continually shows that love and mercy to us. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion that He has. It's an action. Now let me ask you this. If you believe that, that God did all that for you, why would you want to disgust Him? Why would you want to make Him sick? Why would we want to do that? I would think you would want to Show some gratitude and do your best to sanctify yourself and to try to be more like Him. And if that's, and if you're saved today, I hope you'll do that. And if you're not saved today, I hope you'll understand what God thinks about your sin and what you need to do to get that taken care of. Only the blood of Christ can cleanse you from sin. You trying to be good, it's not going to work. 
None of us can be that good. There's none righteous. No, not one. So let's all stand together right now.